Hey there, thanks for listening. Quick question for you. Did you know that the one rental at a time book self-published on Amazon was actually selected by Forbes Real Estate Council as one of the 15 essential books you must read before getting started in real estate? Quite the accomplishment. It's actually book number three. Go check it out on Amazon. One Rental at a Time, written by yours truly, Michael Zuba. So I thought I would record it live and uh, just share with you. And again, if you're a subscriber, know that you can ask me questions and I will do my best to answer them, usually in a short video. Although as this channel is growing, we may group subscriber questions together. Today's question is a good one. It's tell us newbies, right? Tell us landlords, investors who are following your one rental at a time, your story, whatnot, about your mistakes. Tell us about your top 10 mistakes being an investor, right? You can't go 15 years without making lots of mistakes. So I've been thinking about this all day, actually. And I wrote down a top 10 list. And I will go through each of them and talk about what happened. Would you buy land and build a single family home on it? If I had the time, uh, it's not a time question for me, Troy. It's if it made sense. For example, if I could buy a lot and build for 150 and then it appraised at two and a quarter, I'd probably do that all day long. Um, it's not really a time question, at least not for me. Uh, I could get why having a full-time job and doing that. I, I guess your question is if I had a full-time job like yourself, would I do it? No freaking way. No way. Too many headaches, too many hurdles, too many ways to get ripped off, too many weather. I mean, no. If I had a full-time job, no. No. But I don't have a full-time job, and there's a pretty good chance that I wouldn't do it either. So I digress. Let's get back to the top 10 mistakes I have made as a landlord or investor. Number one, I believed all the hype in the books about, you know what, you've got to raise rents every every year. How many times have you read a book about, hey, you got to maximize rent, and then they show you all the math and you do all that stuff, and you know they make it look like you're, you're suddenly worth a lot more? Well, I guess that's fine when you believe spreadsheets. Unfortunately, I live in the real world, and I made the mistake of raising rent $25 in a slow rental market. This was probably like 2004 or five, so before the explosion in prices, but it was still a slow time, right? And I quickly learned that I was being an idiot, right? Because even the cleanest turn is a couple of thousand dollars in a house, right? The tenants have been there any length of time. You're talking a heavy cleaning, likely painting, probably some maintenance, and for what? For $25, right? Even if you took $25, it would take four years, right? Is that right? 25 times 12, that's 300, 300. No, it'd take like six years uh, to get back to break even. So I quickly learned after doing that the second or third time that I was just being dumb, that these books were written in for people that I thought didn't even own rental properties. So I started to adopt a process where I wouldn't raise rents every year. Um, I raised rents every other year. And if you were a tenant of mine in the beginning where you paid rent on time like clockwork, uh, there, was a, there was a very good chance that I wouldn't even raise rent then. 
I very quickly learned that landlording is about keeping your uh, units full and then, um, you know, trying to, um, you know, shave on expenses. So that was a big deal. That was a big lesson learned. Again, I read all the books, right? They said, hey, raise rents every year. You're giving away money, blah, blah, blah. That one was a painful lesson. So I am not a big believer in raising rents every year. Um, Certainly in a slow market, that's something I've come to appreciate. I have risen rents the last three years um, because the, the market's just it's hot, right? I can't, uh, I don't have any vacancies or if I do, I might have one. Um, so it's a very different market. So you need to know what's going on in your rental market. And if it's a slow market, there's a good chance I won't raise rents $25. Um, because I don't want the vacancy. That's a big deal for me. Um, yes, gym time is paying off. I'm almost down 10 pounds, 10 pounds, man. It's pretty cool. So good. Uh, number two, uh, I assumed my experience with single-family homes would translate to multifamilies. Now, this could be duplexes, triplexes, or quads, right? So when I say multifamilies here, it's anybody with shared walls. Um, I just assumed it was all the same. I had only lived in a house my entire life, uh, except for when I was born. I was on a military base, but I don't remember it, so it doesn't count. Uh, So I've only lived in a home. So when I got my first duplex, which was front to back, they were attached I didn't appreciate the headaches that would come with that, right? So-and-so plays his music too loud. Somebody parks his car in front of me. Just the nonsense that goes on. And the turnover, right? The increased turnover. Even in a duplex, my turnover was at least twice as much as a house. Now, if you have houses that are disconnected and they're like divided yards, totally different game. But if you have connected walls, And heaven forbid, connected walls and ups, like two on the bottom, two on top. Oh, your turnover is not the same as single family homes. So don't believe the hype. Don't have somebody tell you, hey, it's one roof, blah, blah, blah. Your expenses are going to be higher because my turnover roughly is about every two years in apartments and it's five or six years in houses. Turnover kills landlords. I don't know why these people don't write books that tell the truth. So that's a big deal for me. I assumed that everything I'd done in houses would translate to apartments, and I was wrong. That was that was a painful lesson because it just means I overpaid or my expenses were too low or the cash flow I thought I'd get wasn't there because I made that mistake. Number three, this was really in 2010. I had just assumed if you had an 800 credit score, a seven-figure net worth, six-figure income, never missed a payment, that you could always get a loan. Wrong. And I think this is something that's going to happen again in the future. I do think lending is going to actually get easier for the next several years, but probably 2025, 26, lending will change again. And I didn't see it coming. We were running really, really hard and fast to keep getting deals in 2010, assuming we would get yes answers from banks. And they laughed us out of the bank. I mean, it, it. I remember getting one deal done. It was like February, and we tried to get another one in June. The world changed. It was just over, and that, and we didn't know what to do. And that's when we went to hard money and ultimately private money. But I assumed. I mean, I had always been told, keep your credit score high, have a good net worth, don't miss payments, you can get a loan. Nope, not true. Big fat lie. 
Next up, around the same time, so we had an equity line, uh, several equity lines actually, that had zero balances. I mean, some were like 50 grand. One of them was like 200 grand because we'd had some properties that appreciated and the, the equity was there. We had zero balances on them, but I went to tap them and they closed them instantly that day, closed because the world changed. So realize that just because you have an equity line doesn't mean it's always going to be there. Keeping it at zero balance is probably the right idea most of the time. But I tell you this, if I would have taken that, I don't know, I think I calculated it was like 360 grand one time. If I would have taken that out a month earlier and just put it in an account somewhere, we could have bought a lot more property. So realize that just because you think you have an equity line doesn't mean the bank can just take it from you immediately. So that's the first four. Raised rents 25 bucks in a slow market. Assumed my single family home experience would translate to multifamily. Assumed lending would always be a yes answer. And my equity lines. So number five, something I wrote about in the book uh, that I believed for too long uh, was I believed in the rule of 30 minutes. You've probably heard it. It's, you know, invest 30 minutes in your home so you can manage it yourself. You know the neighborhoods, you know all that stuff. Uh, I believed it. We looked every Sunday for 52 weeks in a row. And, you know, I happen to live in a crazy expensive part that that it just doesn't make sense. And I should have given up much sooner, right? I should have known my market. <coughs> I should have looked elsewhere. And, you know, I should have got, I should have found Fresno sooner. If we would have found Fresno a year earlier, it would have been good for us. But, um, you know, that allowed me to learn a market. It allowed me to learn the skill that now I teach others because I do believe you can invest in a market away from home, but you do have to learn it. You have to do your homework. You have to look at lots of houses so that you can know you're buying a good or great deal. Most of the stuff you see online are bad or average deals, and I don't want you doing good or I don't want you doing bad or average deals. That was something we got good at. Uh, I always wanted the next deal to be better than the one before it, so it was just kind of natural. But yeah, I believed in the 30-minute rule way too long. 52 weeks is that I was just being stupid or stubborn or both. Oh, number six, I remember this one. So I had an apartment building. It was uh, shaped like a U, all one roof, right? And it leaked one time, like, I don't know, like on this side or this side. Sorry, you can't see me. And then like a month later in a different rainstorm, it leaked on this side. So I must have patched that roof three times and I'm I could have easily with the cost of those three and just a little more put on a new roof but I was being dumb I was being cheap I think each patch job was like a thousand dollars maybe twelve hundred because it's not only the patch but then you have to fix the leak inside right paint the roof replace drywall I was being stupid anytime I have an old roof now that leaks it gets replaced immediately right like as soon as the rain stops it'll get replaced um, yeah, I know it feels better to patch a roof and yeah, it can get you through a season or two, but man, I was being really stupid. And that fourth time it just gave out and was just dumb, 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 stupid, pound foolish, whatever, whatever the saying goes, I was being stupid. Oh, number seven. Oh, so another different 10 unit building, um, five and five, uh, they had this little, I don't know, outbuilding or whatever. Basically, it was for coin-operated machines. 
So I bought the building. It was, I don't know, it was in a C plus area. Um, just lots of little one bedrooms, like 500 square feet each, maybe 510. So small one bedrooms. Old owner took the machines with them. So, you know, I bought the building, started raising rents, all that stuff. And the tenants are telling my property manager, hey, where, where's the washer and dryer? So I so okay, well, we'll go buy washers and dryers. So I went out and bought Kenmore, if you know the brand, Kenmore washer and dryers. Coinops, Coinops, um, they're godly expensive. I think they're like fifteen hundred dollars, and they were the tops were busted off within a month. <laughs> fifteen hundred bucks flush. They stole the tops because that's where the coins were. That was that was that was a painful mistake. Buy used, get security, get cameras, do all that stuff. But let's just say I've only ever bought Kenmore coin operated machines once. Once. Don't do that twice. That oh, that was painful. Uh, oh, number eight. Uh, I didn't look at or even evaluate small multifamilies, right? If you read our book, uh, I talked about buying houses. I talk about the only reason we switched is because we were trying to buy our ninth house and it didn't make sense. So I lost six years of at least learning about multifamilies. I could have learned about duplexes or five plexes or 10 plexes or 20 units. I could have and I should have learned about them sooner. I am certainly a single family high, a single family house guy today. That's the only thing I think that works. But that doesn't mean you shouldn't learn the others, right? After you find out your market works, you know, get get a little uncomfortable. Go look at the others. Run the numbers. I'm not saying buy them. I'm just saying understand them so when the market turns, you'll see it coming, right? I lost six years of learning, right? Because I was already looking every day for houses. It would have taken me an extra five minutes to look at multifamilies. And I really kicked myself for not learning sooner, right? We bought a fiveplex. I think it was 223. 223 grand was our first one. If we would have looked sooner, Right, we would have been able to pick up stuff for under 40k a door, right? Five units at 223 is what is that? 45k a door, something like that. We could have bought stuff in the 30s if we had looked sooner. And it was because I was being an idiot. I didn't know. I didn't expand my horizon. I didn't look up from what I was doing. Uh, so that was a big mistake, right? As I stayed too focused on the next deal, and uh, don't do that, right? Again, know your niche, all of that. Learn your market. But as you get comfortable, you know, look around, check it out, see what else is going on. Oh, number nine. Uh, I've been very clear that I fired the first five property managers uh, we had. We did a fairly good job with the first one, right? But we didn't really have anything, right? We had one house at the time. Uh, but as we were growing and we had to switch like from two to three and three to four, I remember sometimes being in foreign countries when we made that decision and once you make that decision, you can't pull it back. The property manager gives you less service. And we were kind of stuck. Uh, I probably should have swallowed the pill and paid two property managers to manage stuff, you know, for two months. Like, hey, both of you do it for February. And then you'll switch in March or something. I just remember losing, I want to say thousands of dollars to he said, she said, so-and-so stole it, bullshit. But yeah, I, we didn't do a great job of... Once we, we, we did a great job of firing, we did a terrible job of hiring property managers um, as we were kind of growing, which certainly was a mistake on our part and something I've talked about a couple of times about really understand what your property manager does. And then number 10, this one has gotten a couple of people I know and it got me twice, I think. 
So tell me, think about it. Have you ever looked at a property that had two houses on it? Right? Maybe it's a garage conversion, a studio, something like that. Lots of you have. I know I have, right? Because those look good for cash flow. Unfortunately, I bought one unknowingly, or I guess I knew it, but I didn't appreciate it, where there was one meter, one electric meter, one gas meter. So, right, again, I'm an idiot. I don't know what I'm doing. I assume they split it 50-50. Okay, that's good. Nope. Let's see what this says. Uh, houses on busy streets. Uh, I'll answer that in a second. I'll answer that question in a sec. So I bought these two houses on one lot um, because, let's see. Uh, yeah, I'll get to that in a second. Uh, so again, two houses uh, on one lot, one meter. I assumed they split the cost 50-50. Boy, was I wrong. They got in big old fights. He, they started, you know, causing, being difficult neighbors. He said, she said, they run their AC all the time. I never run mine. They party all the time. I don't mind. And of course, I have to pay the electricity. I have to pay the bill first, and then my job was to bill them later, right? So if the bill came in for January at 225, I would divide it by half. I give 112.50 to someone one and 112.50, and they just lost it. So I will never again, never again own a house where I would rent those to two different families. I buy those all the time. I buy them for landlords who do stupid things like rent them out to two different people. What I do is I kick everybody out and then I rent it to one big family because I want the bill going to them, not me. So what happens is I'm just doing this now. So there's a house, uh, two houses or one lot, two houses. The front rented for 900 and the uh, one bedroom rented for six. So 1500, right? Seems good. Unfortunately, the PG&E bill in winter was six to $750. I'm telling you, these people must have ran their heaters with the freaking front door open. And I can't get the money. So they got to go. So now what I'm doing is I cleaned it up. I'm renting it to one family at $1,350. I win. That's what we're doing. So that's what I will do all the time. Uh, you got it. I'm having fun. So back to the question at hand. Um, I think there was a question about buying houses on a busy street. Um, what I like to do, I don't mind buying on a busy street, not, not like freeway or expressway busy, but like four lanes. Uh, I don't mind as long as the house is set back. And then what I will do always is I will put a fence up with a gate, creating real separation. I will, if I'll buy them with yards, but I will put a fence up because I want to create some separation. It just makes me feel better. Um, you're going to get a little bit less rent. They're going to be a little harder to rent. Um, but they're, they're, they're not a problem. I own 10. I don't know. I certainly own five that I would call on busy streets. But again, what I will always do is put up a fence. I'll even probably put in a, a sliding gate for cars. Because again, busy streets, it's easy to get break-ins and all of that, or easier. So I will certainly do that. Um, yeah, I, I don't mind. You're going to get less rent, a little bit harder to rent, all of that stuff. Uh, I think I got your question. If I didn't, ask it soon because I'm going to wrap up unless I see another question. So in the end, if you're a subscriber to this channel and you have questions, just ask me. Leave the comments below. Any video is fine. I look at these all the time. This was, again, a subscriber question. Wanted me to look in the mirror and 
tell you about all the lovely mistakes I've made over 15 years. Hopefully you liked it. Uh, leave me a thumbs up so this video gets higher in the YouTube algorithm if you don't mind. There's 10 of you watching. We should have 10 thumbs up. Come on. Uh, and then, of course, um, hit subscribe. Tell your friends about it. This is a lot of fun for me. You guys have a wonderful day, and we will talk to you tomorrow morning on the Daily Financial News. Have fun.